Hello, welcome to Circuit and Gear, a podcast where we discuss scenic automation and other interesting tech. I'm Gareth Connor. And I'm Mike Wade. Welcome to our quarterly podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say. I think that's a I think that's a fair assessment of what we've been doing. <laughs> Empirical data suggests. <laughs> that's what we are running here. It's a quarterly podcast. Yeah. Well, at least we're consistent. <clears throat> that's right. That's right. <laughs> So we've got a ton of stuff to talk about. Uh, we were, as we're going through the list together, uh, realizing when the last time we podcasted was, there's just been oodles of work going on that uh, is podcast worthy, which is actually why we haven't been co- podcasting, ironically enough, just because it's been uh, it's been a little busy. Um, so if we go into the Wayback Machine, uh, sometime in november like we'll say roughly thanksgiving ish um (laughs) we were staring down the barrel of a few things that we knew about um we had the we had a a fairly large uh project for um the nutcracker in houston um coming up and we had a bunch of stock orders that were um going out just machines and controls and you know all that goodness of like revolvers and push sticks we also had a fair number of onesie twosie rentals going out the door yeah because the christmas shows right like and and who can forget right and we were just coming off ldi (laughs) yes right that was happened to be lumped in near thanksgiving oddly this year um and we got a call from the good people uh at the Ordway Performing Arts Center up in um, St. Paul, Minnesota, uh, which is really lovely that time of year. Uh, oh, yeah. Warm, warm Caribbean. Uh, and <laughs> I'll, uh, we'll just tag team this one because I kind of – I got involved early in it, and then you actually did the work of installing it and so on. Um, but the, the initial problem was that uh, – they had three speaker clusters um, that have been like God's own most expensive, most sophisticated speaker clusters uh, from the automation end. You know, they where where one might see like three chain hoists and three pickles. Um, they had back in like nine, uh, yeah, 2009. Not, not too long ago. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Nine years ago. Yeah. So not the eighties. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, a theater consultant had specified um, Fisher hoists. Uh, Fisher, who's you know obviously been bought up by Tate uh, in the interim, uh, and Navigator um, to raise and lower the speaker clusters up and down. Um, and as the production manager was yelling into his cell phone <laughs> at me. Um, about how displeased he was with the system. Um, I got some of that firsthand as well. <laughs> yeah, he was really not not. Uh, he found some flaws yeah. in the logic. I think about putting that much firepower into yeah. um, speaker clusters. He's like, what I needed was a chain hoist and a tape measure, and what we have is, you know, a a server that won't boot anymore and like these incredibly sophisticated machines that aren't actually moving now. Um, and of course it was 2009 that they got this stuff and I'm sure it worked well for a while. 
And then as happens with anybody's uh, control systems and computers, like something went wrong eventually with the computer brain. Um, but the the options for repairing it were quite expensive because, of course, they had you know Navigator, which is a very – some might say the most sophisticated automation system available um, doing a task that it really is overkill to do. But of course, as I, as I, I mentioned to the production manager, I'm like, well, you know, our first instinct would be to sell you some stagehand pros and spike mark, but I don't think that's going to make you a whole lot happier. Like, I mean, we could take away one computer and put no. in a different computer, no. but that's probably if I'm if I'm getting yeah. your anger correct. It sounds like that's not what you really want either. Um, you, don't, you don't want a different queuing system. You would like no queuing system. So the unfortunate part there is that I didn't know that conversation had happened and went to beautiful St. Paul to go do a little site survey and check out the machines and the wiring and made the same suggestion in person. Fantastic. <laughs> That's that's our yeah, that's our, that's our flawless communication system that we have. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah. Oops. So I'd had that conversation. And I was like, okay, so I mean, uh, that sounds fine. Um, you know, we have this thing called the Deck Chief, um, that is a push button controller. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, I'm leaving out the. He, understandably, didn't want to remove the hoists um, because they had purchased them and they're very expensive and they're very nice. Um, and you'd like to re keep using the same hoists that were there, but just take away the navigator front end um, and the drives and all that and put something else on there. I mean, what he wanted was something push buttons. I mean, he just wanted to be like drive down, drive up um, and have yeah. limit switches to stop it. Um, but get rid of the queuing software and get you didn't want to have to boot anything you know because at the moment he had a computer that wouldn't boot and that was um agitating him I it wasn't say. working for many people. uh no and no and and also the other piece the other component to the original system is that the speaker clusters are going through uh like a an acoustic shell and so there's big doors like bombay doors that are open oh, and right. closed to allow the speakers to go through and those were also you know they, those were integrated into the same control system and just you know they ran into problems with them they were interlock switches of course like as a good system should have as you would want um yeah but, you know they they also found failures in those and they ran into other problems and so none of it was working very well for them and so at this point they've gone into the <laughs> They they ripped out the motors that were running the Bombay doors and they replaced them with some with some good old rope, and they did a couple of little two two to ones right. in there and now they can lift them and close them like they should work every time. Right. right. And so we got a like a a group email or I got a group email from the production manager. Shout out to like if I remember correctly, it was like to to us Tate. And ETC, just like it was clear, like his <laughs> his MO. He's like, I want each of you guys to give me a your best price for how we can solve this, <laughs> right? And we will just go with whoever's, you know. And we've got to fix this thing, like in 
I don't remember, but it was like two weeks or something like that. I mean, it was really tight timing, and and we have a day or two days to do the switch over. However, we're gonna have you know make this work. Like okay, um, so like etc. Obviously, was gonna you know would be putting in foundation, and um, you know Tate would be upgrading Navigator to get it to boot again, and um, and then you know we were the wild card of like, well, what are they gonna do? And we were we were interested as well. We're like, I don't know, what what are we gonna do? This sounds like a, sounds like a really intriguing <laughs> question. <laughs> I wish I was not on the inside of this conversation. Um, so. Uh, so the, the kicker was that like our typical deck chief does not use a drive that's good for hoisting. Um, it uses the D 700 from Mitsubishi. Uh, the deck chief has not really had, had not previously, uh, been used in that application. It only has the single brake circuit and everything else. Um, so we were, what we were looking at was swapping out that VFD for another VFD to run uh, appropriately in a hoisting um, environment where it could do brake sequencing uh, and then put in redundant contactors for the brakes and all that other good jazz um, that we'd need. So, um, and it, as is our way, actually, we kind of first started on a path that was like, we're going to swap everything out. And we're just going to like make a whole new deck chief. And then you're like, looking at the calendar and you're like, well, actually, <laughs> wait a you know, minute. That's not going <laughs> to, yeah. Cause we, you know, like we can't get a whole new case designed and built in yeah. this time frame, um, and, uh, everything else. So we ended up adjusting our, Oh, and then of course also like, pick a VFD that you can actually get in time, right? Yeah, we like, found a couple wonderful again, ones that we, seemed like they were, but, you know, we could get them in, like, May. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which would have been perfect, yeah. Um, so we ended up, uh, re, you know, in a, in a, Steve Nath and I ended up spending a lot of time one night kind of hashing through the, the different options and then kind of came to a, I think a pretty good solution um, using another Mitsubishi VFD inside there um, that could do the hoisting um, and uh, and actually fit in the existing enclosure. Because <laughs> that was the other thing. We're like, yeah, we can totally just put this other Mitsubishi drive in there. Bolt. Wah, wah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Except that it's roughly the same size as the entirety of the enclosure, only like yeah. a half inch deeper. You know, like, so you can't fit the PLC and anything else that has to go inside there. Because um, uh, as much as I hate PLCs, the deck chief uses a PLC inside of it for uh, its control brain. Um, so, uh, so anyway, so we came up with a, a reasonable solution. Um, we had the uh, wiring diagrams of the hoists from uh, from the installation, uh, documents so we could figure out a, um, you know, a path forward to, um, adapt the, the hoists to our, uh, deck chief controllers, but then also come up with a plan that could actually be executed in the, the small amount of time that was there. Cause we're going to have to rewire those hoists on site. Yeah. Um, and when and, you say, you know, me. I'm really mean you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so i i went out and that, i went out yeah, on site after this all came about and we were like okay we got a couple of days i'm like i'm gonna go for one day and i'm gonna go yank apart these 
you know, apart the hoist and see what we can come up with and see how we can just integrate and utilize existing gear. And I think this was even before we got to the the current state of the <clears throat> of the deck chief. We're in fest like pondering the ideas of encoding and all of the other stuff as opposed to limits. And finally, as I'm like I'm yeah. sitting there, I think I talked to you and I was like, I I don't all we need to do is control the motor and the brake. We don't need any right. of the other stuff. <laughs> right. <laughs> so so in the end <laughs> It turned out to be a much simpler on-site wiring project, which is great. Yeah. Than we originally imagined, or at least I originally imagined, because as we started talking about this, I was like, Oof, "Oh my god, we're gonna." Yeah. I don't know how we're gonna do this in two days. <laughs> right. <laughs> three. Right. Let's wire up three versus on a grid. That's great. How many times am I gonna drive? That yeah. Screwdriver. <clears throat> right. Yeah. It's amazing how much all of that. Uh, you know how much more difficult the uh, everything gets when you're working at height, right? Like it's just it goes slower. Like it necessarily goes slower, even if you're standing on a grid. It's like you're still standing on a grid and you're trying to find places. You know, you got 18 screwdrivers and little <laughs> loose screws and nuts and you know electrical box covers and stuff. And you're like, I need a place to put all this that is has zero chance yeah. of falling on somebody's head. Yeah, it ratchets up the the tension a little bit. Um, yeah, so we we ended up building the things, testing the things, shipping the things, and then you went out and installed I, the things. I sure did. And then one of them, you had issue like two of them popped right in, and one of them not so much, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, so we had the we had the guys at the guys at the Ordway who were who were involved also with us on this. They were rock stars and got. You know, we mounted the deck chiefs. The deck chiefs are these wall-mounted boxes, essentially. And but you know, we're on a grid, it's a railing. So we built a little unistrut structure, and the the folks at Ordway rocked it out and got all of these things installed and up as we as I started busting through, um, adding on the wiring, adding on our you know our connectors onto the existing winches and making those connections. Um, and, uh, and as you said, we had two of them, they just went right in. Like we put the first one in, ran it. I was like, woof, look at that. I'm feeling a little bit better than it was, you know, at two hours ago. And we got the next one in. I was like, yeah, all right. I'm feeling pretty good. Like maybe I'm going to go home early. And then we put the third one in and I was like, oh, well, nothing's going right on this one. And uh, and it seemed like we were getting overloads on the, um, we're getting overloads on the VFD. It was like, man, like something is going crazy. Like what is going on? It's the same, we have the same VFDs with the same, you know, like this shouldn't be going double checking all the wiring, triple checking the wiring, ringing out things, making sure that there wasn't some snowflake problem going on. And eventually just like, just took one deck chief down that was working and put it onto the winch that wasn't working and everything was coming up roses like hmm, let's put that other one in that other machine failed same problems it's like ah oh, now I'm <laughs> uh and you know a couple a couple more hours of digging around in parameters and i finally just i finally just called it quits and all cleared the vfd 
uh, and redid the parameters to our, you know, to our spec. It was like a charm. So like somewhere in there, there was some, some parameter got changed that, uh, that we could, I couldn't find, um, which is, you know, not awesome, except that, you know, the all clear, the power of the all clear right. is such, is such an important piece of tech support. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> And it's definitely a mystery, right? Like those things had been, you know, they'd been tested in the shop. They went out and they got installed. So I tested them in the shop. Right. I mean, it's like, <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, well, somebody tested them in the shop. No, no, that somebody was the two thumbs standing here on the grid. So like, <laughs> you know, it's like, yep. you can't even be like, little fan shop. Wow. <clears throat> um, right. But yeah. Yeah. So, so once we did that, everything was coming up roses and it was beautiful and they were working great. And, you know, we've, pickle control on them and speed setting from the face of the, the deck chief. Um, and, uh, the deck chiefs are set up to run off four limits. So we have a slowdown limit and then a stop limit. Yeah. In there for both the forward and the reverse and the up and the down. Um, and, uh, we ended up just jumping out the slowdown limit because we were never going fast enough with these machines. Um, yeah. cause they're, yeah. They're brutes. It's like a forty to one gearbox or forty-five to one or something like that on these um, on these hoists. So they're they're not they're not um, they're not brisk in their movement. <laughs> yeah, which is um, great. Which is perfect. It's a great way to be flying giant speaker towers. Um, and uh, and so we ultimately ended up just pulling out, uh, just jumping out the the slowdown limits, and um, and running to the stop limits only because. We're not going fast enough to really make any <clears throat> make any big problems, um, except for setting the limits seemed to be a big challenge. <laughs> After we got everything running and everything set, we started off again. It sort of started off great. We set the first one, boom, everything worked. An in trim, an out trim, no problem. Second one had to do it. You know, it took us it took us a little while. It took us like 20, 25 minutes to actually get these. Are just rotary limits. Just getting those things set and dialed in and we got it. It was like, great. Third one took us probably like 45 or 50 minutes. And finally, finally, like running it up and down. We're like, good. We got it. This is good. And like a week later, I get this. I get three phone calls in a row. <laughs> Always a good sign. <laughs> yeah. On site. And I happen to be driving. Oh, because we forgot another gig that happened in here, Gareth. Oh, my God. It was a busy, it's a busy quarter. Um. I was uh, I was driving, so I didn't answer the phone call, and then finally, finally got a voicemail from from the guy at the Ordway, and he was like, "Ah, the limits, none of them are working." And, uh, you know, and then we come to find out that it wasn't none of them were working. One of them stopped short. One of them they stopped before it overran anything, and the third one worked great. So it was like, oh, I don't know what happened. I mean, like we left these things running and working. So uh, it was just a, you know, <clears throat> it was a hard lesson <clears throat> to, uh, to, yeah. you know, make sure that we're, make sure that those are actually set and locked. And I, you know, I mean, I feel I set and locked them, but, but evidence suggests otherwise. <laughs> right. Uh, right. 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 But yeah. Rotary limits are always great. Yeah. yeah they're fantastic. I love them. No. Were these the same uh, Ravasi switches that we use? Same Ravasi switches, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which are not, I mean, uh, which are not honestly my favorite. I mean, they're they. What's great about them is that they're easy to get and they are relatively inexpensive. But 
they're not super easy to set. I mean, they're better than some for sure. Um, but like this, I really like the Stromag switches. We just haven't had a chance to like rework those into products yet. Um, and those are a little harder to get and everything else, but they're, they're very nice limit switches with the, they have a big, big paddle that you uh, rotate, which is a little nicer than like little tiny baby screws on a one inch cam. But, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nothing says precision. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think looking at it, you know, now, now having like a step away from it, we've talked about, we talked about outboarding the upper limit switch at one point and right. Uh, and you know, and of course, at the time we were like, nah, that's crazy. Why would we do that? That's right. all we have. A, we have the limit switches, but you know, maybe looking back at it the next time that this comes up, it might be a, a better path to outboard at least the top limit so that there's no way for it to, right. To overrun. Out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that was the job that we thought was going to be the big deal. Um, it was a big deal, Gareth. It, no, yeah, it was. It was. <laughs> it was only one new product. I don't know why it was such a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> but turns out that wasn't actually uh, the most challenging thing that during the holiday season. So we had um, – and down in Houston, we were uh, helping out with the Nutcracker. Um, <clears throat> Houston, of course, had suffered – greatly uh from all the flooding um that happened uh and when they had that huge storm just hang out over houston for days mm -hmm. uh, and flood the city um <clears throat> so the ballet down there lost their normal performance space they had to move their nutcracker which of course is their biggest show of the season you know but huge revenue there uh and they had to they were going to do um two um like a a little mini tour like the Houston area like two stop tour so they started off in Sugarland um and then uh and then they were going to go back into the city of Houston uh and perform in a different space so uh <clears throat> we were there to uh but as part of that they couldn't fit all of their scenery in there specifically the interior house so they instead uh instead of having the house they really creatively like gorgeous design um used a um, a big Austrian curtain and a lot of projection mapping uh, to do some really fun stuff uh, <clears throat> to take the place of the interior of the house. Uh, so they had a big Austrian curtain, 11 motorized points on it. Um, and then of course they had their tree that had the, you know, the growing tree gag. Mm -hmm. uh, so they, purchased a package of uh, smart chain hoists from us with stagehand pro yeah. controllers, but not enough that they could do the entire Austrian. So they rented um, seven spot lines. Seven, I think it was seven. Yeah. It was either seven or eight. Yeah. <laughs> uh, spot lines from us to take, you know, to fill in around the um, chain hoists. Um, Cause we had 13 points total uh, between the 11 points on the Austrian and then the two points to run the tree, one to make the tree grow and one to um, fly it out. Um, I think I've got all those details right, but the, that's basically the gig. Um, a very challenging load-in schedule. I, it, it was like a, a two-day in, I think. Uh, it was a two-day in. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, to get and – and it was – so the breakdown was basically, you know, 
spot all the hoists on day one of the load in, uh, cable them and everything, and then day two, cue it, and then day three, rehearse. Um, and and I think I think to be fair, they were in the day before we were scheduled to be there. Yes, 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 yes. I'm I'm just speaking for yeah. You're right. You're right. It wasn't like the but I but that was their first day, wasn't it? I think so. Yes, I believe so. Yeah, so it was like mm-hmm. three days total, two days. You know, we were not supposed to be there the first day, um, but then come in on the second day and the third day. Um, and as we're looking at this and looking at the number of uh, <laughs> axes that have to be installed and the cabling and everything else, uh, they only wanted – Initially, we're th- thinking of only doing a single technician, and we're looking at it and like that's that's not really practical. Like we should send a second person down, um, just because there's no wiggle room in this schedule, right? And, we, and you're going to be have guys on the grid and guys on the jump and guys on the ground, and you know having only one person from our company trying to manage that is going to be difficult. Um, so we ended up, so it ended up being me and Verada going down there, um, and additionally, we, I went headed down a day early. Um, <laughs> for, <laughs> I don't know why, for, Gareth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that was you know we, we, even though they were only paying for the two days, like you know that doesn't uh, it, it's going to be worth the money for me to just on our end just to be able to see what we're walking into because there were scant drawings of what the grid and fly uh, yeah. space looked like. And um, well, yeah, I mean, that was basically it. So we had no idea what we we're walking into and we're going to, ha- we got to hang 13 axes in a day. Uh, granted they were long days. They were scheduling them for either 16 or 18 hours. Uh, and um which is in itself brutal when you're like walking like, yep. So we're, you know, the schedule is eight, I guess it was like 8 a.m. to 1 a.m. And that was the, yeah. that was on the books as the schedule. You're like, boo, all right. <clears throat> it's going to be that kind of a party. Um, <laughs> so I don't think it was on the books. I don't think it was on the books until at the very beginning. Sure. I think they were, I, yeah, it was like, I think they, they made those adjustments shortly after they looked at all the things <laughs> you know like right they were like oh yeah we probably need to make that a little bit right a little bit mm-hmm. but that was like the you know at the little morning you know at the union morning meeting when they were calling out the schedule for the day that was uh that was that was the drill so the first day i walk in or you know day minus one not our first day but the pre-day uh, walk in and go up to the grid. And our plan had been, we were going to like land motors on the grid on like unistrut skis and clamp them to the gridiron, and then put uh, spot blocks in between the loft blocks that were picking the top of the Austrian. Because it's like you got the top Austrian, the top of the Austrian that's you know on a pipe, but then we got to pick the hem of the Austrian. So we need a bunch of lines very close but just upstage of the top pipe uh to pick the hem of the austrian and so we we're gonna spot blocks in uh just upstage of the loft blocks for the pipe and <laughs> one of the key it sounded like 
it sounded like such a good idea. It's a great <laughs> idea. It's a, it was a great idea. It's just one of those great ideas that absolutely wasn't going to work because they. Yeah. <laughs> turns out that the pipes were on six-inch centers, so which was like a, one of those details that you you do have to wonder. You're like, man, like I know the challenges of the world and like not being able to, you know, not being able to get all the planning done ahead of time. But that's a that's a detail that it seems like could have been surfaced prior to showing up on site like if somebody could have stuck their head on the grid um from the that maybe that already lived in houston say um that would have been really awesome to know that it was six inches on center and that there was zero space in between these loft blocks uh hanging uh on the grid so the like the the arrangement of that grid is like there's i-beams you know at the ceiling of the building if you will um and then it's all underhung blocks on that on those i-beams and then say seven feet down from that there's a gridiron that you can walk on so all the loft blocks are overhead um as underhung style loft blocks but they're not under your feet they're just underhung on the beams um, and so they're all just packed in there with no space on the beam for something else so um I called you and I'm like, hey, so <laughs> I sent you a, I think I just texted you a picture first. I believe that. And you're like, ugh. <laughs> I was like, wow, that that looks pretty tight, Care. <laughs> <laughs> like that's not gonna yeah. that's not gonna work. I don't think that's gonna work. And we um batted through some different options and then uh came to the idea that like, well, why don't we put the hoists on the you keep the hoist on the f- on the floor of the grid, but instead of trying to put the but let's move the yeah. spot blocks down to the floor of the grid as well. So if we like make some frames, um, we can. Oh, because the other issue that we were running into. Well, okay, so make some frames so we can put the spot blocks or put the spot lines and the and the spot blocks on a frame that sits <laughs> on the top of the grid, and then. Um, Oh yeah, <laughs> this is coming back to me, right? <laughs> and then my, and I was like, "This sounds awesome. Let me get some. We'll, we'll just find some. We got to find some Unistrat down here. So we'll do, get some double back Unistrat that we can, you know, make some frames out of in a hurry." Um, yeah, we had a couple of phone calls, and got all the <laughs> found a place. There was a gray bar, luckily, um, nearby, um, and. <laughs> we made a lot of phone calls. Well, what's funny is that the yeah, like I, I, what yeah. what I normally do in those situations is I you know talk to the local guys and say like, hey, where can I get this stuff, right? And usually somebody's like, oh, just you know over here or whatever. Yeah. Um, but uh, oddly, the the Unistrat kind of stumped them, and they um, <laughs> we tried calling. They're like, well, try calling the steel yard. She's like, oh, it's kind of weird for a steel yard, but sure, I'll give them a call. And they, of course, like had no idea even what we we're talking about. And then, uh, but then you and I started tag team calling places, um, and uh, eventually found. I called the Gray Bar in Houston, um, and they said, yeah, well, we got it, but it's not nearby. You know, like you get it, you could either pick it up in the morning or. Uh, maybe we could, you know, you could send somebody yeah. over to over there to get it. Right, like, it was where like, is it? right like, next door. Like, yeah. I can't remember the name of the town, but it was basically the next town over from the town I was in. <laughs> I was like, well, that's perfect. It's like, 
10 minutes away. Like I can, that'd be awesome. Like, oh, well then it's perfect. Um, and so I, uh, they had a, <laughs> so I borrowed the, the truck, uh, from the company and drove over there and picked up a bunch of Unistrat. And, um, and then I, then I did the stupid thing, which was that, uh, <laughs> We were leaving for the night. Oh, because <laughs> then we also needed like a saw and some other stuff because they didn't have like a porta band or anything. So I went to Home Depot and got a porta band. And um, and as I was leaving, you know, the the folks on the crew who were you know very helpful were like, well, what can you know, we really if these kind of get cut, we should why don't we cut them tonight while you know while you're back at the hotel. Uh, and that way they're ready for you in the morning. I'm like, okay, well, let me do some quick, like back of the envelope math about how long to make these things. And yeah, I was a little hesitant about how, about cutting the frames down because, you know, the, the short, too short of a distance in our fleet angle was going to suck coming off the spot lines. Our fleet angle was, but of course we have so many points we're trying to line up that we don't have a lot of room in between them. Uh, and so, so I gave them a measurement of, I don't know, whatever, too short. And, and they cut all the units right down. And then that night, cause I couldn't let it go. I'm like doing the math, you know, in my hotel room. And I'm like, this is, sucks. Like that is not going to be, that is not going to be right. Uh, we're going to run into fleet angle problems. And I'm like, but you know, Kicking in my me. head, I'm like the, the, we got to line these hoists all up. And then of course, with some more thinking, you're like, well, we don't have to line them all up. We could just make the frames as long as we need to make them and then kind of kick yeah. them upstage and downstage in alternating fashion, like herringbone fashion uh, across the grid. Cause we have all this open floor space cause all of the, the loft blocks are overhead. So, whoops. And uh, so the next morning we went and bought all the Unistrut again, because because <laughs> I had wisely had them cut it all too short, and then, and then as as we have uh, as I had a guy like starting to like assemble the frames out of the new Unistrut, um, we had guys on the grid starting to just trying to rough motors into place, um, which was in itself a process, right? Because it's just like up on a grid, and there's you know it, the spot lines are not light i mean they're like 350 ish pounds so like just muscling those things into position yeah. kind of sucks so yeah. um so that's anyway in the end we yeah. had, we did get them all into position um <laughs> and then we ran into our next problem which was that they we pre-spooled all the cable in the drums <laughs> but with the new position of the hoist all those cables were like two feet too short <laughs> and there's not like a great solution because you're running through d-rings on the back of the drape so you can't like just you know add on a, a stinger or something right because then it won't slide shit. through the d-ring like, shit we gotta yeah. re-spool all the hoists <laughs> for want of a couple feet of cable so our fleet angle is better but now our wire, wire rope is too short so we did all that and then we spooled them all up uh, and or spooled most of them. Up. I shouldn't say spooled them all up because then we ran into our next problem that night. So this is now we're at like whatever hour 14 or something. And uh, I think I think I could probably look back and find the text message. 
I was a little aggravated. I want to say it was like one in the morning on the East Coast. <laughs> That's probably right. <laughs> and I, I was like, oh shit. Because <laughs> as we start, to, we start working our way through the hoist, like half of them are faulting, and and uh, Rod is up on the grid. I'm down at the racks, and you know, it's like we try to move this one, fault. Try to move that one, fault. Try to move this one, works. Try to move that yeah. one, fault. Try to move that one, works. And it was pretty easy to spot the pattern. All of the cables that had just been made in the shop for hmm. the job, none of them worked. All the ones that were using old cables all worked fine. So then the difficulty had been to get the job done. We ran, we had run out of our fancy composite cable, which has all the motor and brake conductors in there. And we were using like a cable bundle to get the motor and brake wires um, and we, you know, so we used two cables, taped them together, and one cable was for the motor, one cable was for the brakes. But the brake cable didn't have all of the brake signals in it, which we were like, that's okay, because we don't use all of the brake signals on the spot lines. On the spot we do lines on the, only, yeah. <laughs> spot lines only. So we had to, like, flag them, like, these ones can only go to spot lines, these ones can only go to brakes. So you have, you know, motor, motor brake, load brake, power wires so that's four conductors and then you have dc switching motor brake dc switching load brake well we don't use dc switching uh motor brake on the spot lines we only use dc switching on the, the load brake on the spot lines um so you can get you can steal you can lose two pairs out of the spot line wires but it it's really it's really important that you lose the correct two pairs well, well like if you happen to just like don't mean correctly what's that? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, like yeah, yeah we left two wires out yeah like, mm-hmm. which two i don't know the last two uh, <laughs> yeah it doesn't matter yeah just wire them in until you run out that is not that is not correct and so i was um fit to be tied one might say because we were all pretty tired it had been a pretty heroic day of getting everything up and then to be what drove me the most crazy, I think, was just the fact that we all knew we were doing something a little goofy, like that we were having to like patch in these bundled cables, and that God bless all of our employees. I love them all to pieces, but like, why on earth you wouldn't? Like they they'd run them through the cable tester, like to beep test them out, and that all they were cor- they were yeah. correctly wired incorrectly, if that makes sense. Like yeah, they passed yeah. a beep test. <laughs> But the wrong pair of K, the wrong conductors were dropped out of the mix, which would have been completely obvious if somebody had just walked, you know, 20 yeah. feet over to and plugged it into an actual hoist with an actual stagehand. Um, <laughs> I mean, like the good side was like at least it, at least we yeah. were screwing ourselves. Like so we weren't, we had not stuck, you know, we hadn't just like sent this down to like some poor customer out there who was like. I don't know why nothing's working, you know, because <laughs> we also had the background knowledge to be like, all the new oh, I bet, I, I bet you I could tell you why this isn't working. You know, it's like yeah. the pattern is all of the new cables, any hoist yeah. with a new cable isn't working. Yeah. So basically all the chain hoists work and none of the spot lines work. I have an idea. Yeah. So you <laughs> unwire the, you know, pop the hood off the first connector and you're like, yeah, yeah. no, well, I see what we're doing tomorrow. But the, and that was kind of the that was the end of the day for us. Like we couldn't, yeah, like we were out of time. So 
<laughs> so, but I mean, the, each run had at least three chords. Yeah. So you had to go like at each juncture, unwire the connectors and rewire them. Um, and now they're all on the grid, like in cable paths, tied up, da ba da ba da. The whole, you know, as as obnoxious as you can would imagine. So we spent like two hours on our hands and knees on the gridiron, uh, with little bits of cardboard, you know, tucked underneath us to <laughs> to catch the screwdrivers and screws as we were talking about before, uh, <laughs> to unwire these cables and and make them correct. So once we did that, um, <clears throat> then it worked out okay. Then, uh, then everything worked out pretty nicely yeah. um, from that point forward. But when we got to like the queuing, and it was I don't know, ten o'clock <laughs> at night the next night that we started the queuing. I want to say something along those lines. Something so far that like the the poor guy who was going to be the automation operator was like just dead on his feet. Like he couldn't, he could barely keep his eyes open. And uh, luckily, Rada is a trooper, and it, you know he could. He was in it to win it, and he sat there and and wrote cues after uh, after having a, a conversation with the uh, artistic uh, folks about what they wanted to see. Because uh, you know it's like this eleven point Austrian, so it's doing all sorts of funky wave patterns and whatnot. Um, and and Rada banged on that for a few hours and and got it all programmed, but. Uh, it was kind of like the it's the sort of thing that you definitely would like to be at your best when you start tackling that end of it and everyone was at their worst um <laughs> which is you know unfortunate but, uh, yeah <laughs> it was a little bit of a bummer and then we sent rada back to houston though in the middle of all the crazy stuff we sent him back there when they moved it from from um sugarland to the others that's right from sugarland to the world yeah, and I was like, yeah. I think we put him on a plane on like the 25th of December or was it the 26th? I can't remember. No, it was the 25th. <laughs> it was Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, yep. um, and, and he was on there for a couple of days, but the second, the move went significantly better uh, than the original install. Like, you know, it was uh, the system worked, everything did what it was supposed to. And, you know, and it got it walked right in and actually brought a left a day earlier than he was supposed to than he was originally intended to be there so at least yeah which is i great. only got like, like one all those troubles all aside <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah that's a very good point like all those trouble you know internal troubles aside like the actually the end result was really nice like the, the curtain looked great and the video stuff that they were doing on the curtain looked awesome like the effect was was gorgeous and uh and it, it all, you know, went off without a hitch. It's just those, those, those uh, trials and tribulations of getting it there. But but it was good. It was good. And it was fun to see, like, that mixture of spot lines and chain hoists uh, working together and working well. You know, cool. like, it's nice that uh, with radically different machinery, um, you know, the programming is still super easy in the sense that well i shouldn't say super easy but it, you know <laughs> there's certainly some complications just in terms of like you know how to make the austrian do the dance mm -hmm. but you know you tell one hoist to move it eight inches a second and the other hoist to move it 18 inches a second and they do it regardless of the one fact that one yeah. is running at 50 percent and one's running at 100 percent. yeah it's cool yeah. and you don't have to think about that stuff you know like 
now yeah. it gets hooked up, so, which is nice. <laughs> I'm just looking at my list and kind of like my mouth hanging open there for a second. How are, <laughs> how are we only like a halfway through it? And there's still so much beyond it. And how are we just getting to talk about the fifth yeah. half? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, did anybody now right room, get some coffee? <clears throat> um there was a production of uh, Mamma Mia that opened up at the Fifth Ave just uh, just in January, I guess they opened, or or maybe it was February that they opened. But so back in December, um, we had a meeting out at our shop um, about a lift that they needed for the show. They needed basically a six by ten elevator uh, with what. Well, where we settled on was a 4,000 pound capacity um, <laughs> running at about 16 inches a second. So there was initially some hope and dream that it was going to be higher capacity and faster, but the horsepower was just nutballs. Like they, they were looking at like a 50 horsepower. Yeah. <laughs> which, we, which we got to in that meeting in pretty short order. It's like, well, we can do that. It's just, it's like, that's like 50 horsepower. Are you guys cool with that? Like, it's just a, that's a big system. Yeah. Um, and if we could drop to like 20 horsepower, it'd be like dual tens to remove the elevator. And, um, that might be, that, that puts us all, because this is a production elevator. It's not gonna be installed in the theater permanently. This is going to travel with the show. Um, and it's going to be reused, repurposed show by show moved around in the space. Like it, you don't want to have a, they're certainly rock stars at moving heavy stuff. Um, but you don't want this thing to be mm -hmm. a, a beast. Um, and then there's uh, some questions of like, you know, with that much load on there at that speed and the e-stop concerns and everything else, you know, it's, uh, thanks. Yeah. Um, so, so we have this meeting, um, there's the elevator. And then of course they want a, uh, a sunroof trap door going, going the hard way. <laughs> We're like, we want this giant elevator. <laughs> yeah. But we also want, the, we don't want a hole there. Right. We can't have the hole there. Right. <laughs> right. Like they need to be able to load it in the basement, pop the trap and bring the elevator up. And they want it. They wanted it to track, like to put the wheels for that uh, sunroof on the six foot edge. So you're spanning 10 feet um, with, with enough strength to like handle um, personnel lifts and stuff on top of that trap door when it's closed, like when they're doing maintenance calls. So it's like no small. It's all big, right? Like the all the loads are big, all of the spans are big. It's all big, big, big. Um, and I believe that the we had a ship by like January ninth, twelfth, something like that. Um. But it worked out to be like basically like a week of design and then three weeks to build it was kind of our concept of um, of how we were going to do it. Or the, I mean, just to, what what was allowable. Like that that was the it. That was all the time we had, and and it was spanning over Christmas and New Year's, um, which of course we understandably <laughs> some of our key people had already made plans for their holiday vacations. Yeah. Um, so we were losing people left and right out of the shop 
in the midst of doing this. So, <laughs> and of course we had to get like materials and, um, yeah. So, so we had, so the first challenge was like, how are we going to design this thing? And we just didn't have the bandwidth, uh, internally to get both of those machines designed in that time frame, uh, over that time span. So, uh, Chris Borison, uh, formerly the TD at the La Jolla Playhouse and now working freelance, uh, was luckily available. So we hired him up to the shop for, um, for the, for a few weeks, um, to work on the design and then kind of help run the project on the sunroof side. Uh, and then Adam Forster, who's a longtime friend and, um, old compatriot from the days that I worked at mystic, um, and he has pitched in on some of the design work uh, for us in the past. He works out in LA. So he worked remotely um, on the lift portion. So we kind of split the thing up that um, Adam and Adam was designing the lift with me kind of kibitzing on the lift design. Uh, and then Chris was designing the sunroof with Steve from our shop running calculations uh, for him. And uh, pitching in little bits and pieces here and there on on some of the detail work as well although Steve was had to you know his, yeah. he was gone for a, a large chunk of the project um, <clears throat> and uh, yeah so that was kind of the, the the initial breakdown and then we we're like okay so that's great so we got some like design team in place to to do this and then the next question is like hey, how are we going to fabricate this well we had a uh, <laughs> fabricators that were on vacation during <laughs> chunks of this as well um and then even without the vacation stuff being a problem like the it, just the volume you know oh the elevator was 15 feet of travel i should mention that too um yeah. it's not just nothing. like how are we gonna it's not nothing it's just it's just a lot of linear feet of fab um, to to make these things. So Modtrust was uh, was the answer. Like, well, let's do as much of this out of Modtrust as we possibly can, um, and then we will uh, make the parts that can't be Modtrust. Yeah. Um, and we'll you know like do a lot of laser cutting and welding on that stuff. Um, Cause as much as we like love bolt together, aluminum things, <laughs> you know, like when in doubt, make it stout uh, really comes into play on something that's this fast. You're like, yeah, this will, this is, yeah. this is mostly a welded steel job um, on the, on the uh, fabricated parts. Um, <clears throat> so, so that was the concept there by mod trust. Um, so we, <laughs> so as we joked at one point, but the timing, you know, like we're trying to like coordinate, we got to order all this stuff. There's lead times for us. There's lead times for the motors. There's lead times for the drives, about the lead times for the, all of us, <laughs> everything's got lead times. Right. But we don't really have a solid, <laughs> we don't have like a solid design. So as we talked about months ago, like the sketching on the iPads and surfaces things, like we did some sketches, I did some initial sketches on on my iPad of like, well, this is kind of sort of what it would be, you know, like roughly, very roughly. And but like big things were left hanging in the air. Like we knew, I guess what we did know is that we were going to run 
two 10 horsepower motors to drive the elevator. And we were going to shove as much horsepower as we could stuff into the sunroof, just so we didn't have to worry about it. And the, the basic concept on the elevator was chain drive. We were just going to do lifting chains uh, to pick the elevator up. Um, and we could, you know, by the load capacity and speed, size the chains. So we're going to run double 80 chains in the four corners. <laughs> and... Uh, we got a deal, by the way. Ten horsepower motors. Everybody needs some, some, some double eighty chains. <laughs> oh, I got a deal for you. <laughs> That's right. We still have we still have a fairly large amount of double eighty chain lying about, um, and and on the sunroof side, we we, we were going to do um, our normal uh, or normal, but we're going to do some sort of uh, two part sunroof with wedges uh, or ramps so like have the the top thing ride up the ramps so we kind of had some rough ideas enough to that we could <laughs> we could start ordering materials so it was a joke like at one point when somebody was asking a very specific question about like you know some detail it's like yeah you know what though <laughs> on this job i'm afraid i can't quite answer that level of detail just yet because where we usually like to kind of design specify purchase and then build here we're gonna have to specify purchase design then build (laughs) because we have no way like if we wait till we're designed we are not going to have time to build this like because we you know if if we suck up we got to start ordering parts before we know exactly what the thing is because otherwise we're just not going to hit the timeline that these guys need (laughs) so we just started order you know we had rough it wasn't like totally willy-nilly but kind of you know we're like well, we're yeah. going to get this many, you know, <laughs> links of this kind of Unistrut, this or of a mod trust, this many links of this kind of mod trust, this many links of that kind of mod trust, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> it's just our buying it. We know we're going to have we're gonna have drive shafts. We're not really sure which side of the lift the drive shafts are going to go on. They're either going to go on the short side or the long side. So buy enough drive shaft that we can go on the long side of, of it. And get, so we're not so we're not screwed later. And uh, yeah, and then you know buy these gear motors which only fucked us a little bit that the we we bought the the gear motors all worked out great unfortunately by the time we the design was totally done we ended up having to like rotate the gear the motors on the gearbox so we had to you know break the seals and reseal them and stuff afterwards um anyway uh yeah and then (laughs) in the midst of all that you know we got christmas then we had a blizzard or i don't remember which what order and, it was but christmas new year's and a blizzard and that like those yeah. three three things together were just terrible on the schedule like absolutely nutballs um and uh mystic scenic who we usually use for water jet cutting they yeah. slammed and so we were digging into they, their yeah. machine was down yeah <laughs> we're like who else can we get to do this <laughs> sorry like throwing the net out and finally right showman fabricators in new york who got a bunch of stuff for us it was like is this really the most efficient way we're gonna get here i guess it is i like right (laughs) didn't see that one it was it was the way we were gonna get there yeah right yeah because luckily showman i mean they were great uh they were they were really awesome that they 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 really hustled for us but we knew that we couldn't you know we had to go to somebody that had an idea of the kind of time crunch we were really under like we couldn't yeah. tolerate a delay like, yeah. so we needed somebody kind of in the entertainment business that could help us um yeah. and showman was awesome they 
they they cut a bunch of stuff for us very quickly. Um, all came out nice, yeah. and uh, yeah, and yeah, it was great. They, but we ended up having to do like multiple trucks from <laughs> from New York to Rhode Island to get the stuff, and you're like, oh my god, just like yeah, bleeding money left and right on you know all this incidental costs of like you know well it's all gonna have to be rush freight shipping you know like to get these parts in in time um but all that aside uh those challenges aside that the actual machines came out really nice like very very really beautiful yeah yeah and the mod trust stuff you know on the on both sides but particularly on the elevator side because we used more of it really mm-hmm. i think on the elevator um were was really good i mean i think we learned a few um tricks that we would employ next time um when we if we were to yeah. ever fall into such a circumstance again but um generally speaking it worked worked really well um and we used like the uh we used all of their you know all their components all their trust components, but then we use their, um, their guides, sleeve yeah. blocks. They have these corner sleeve blocks. Yeah. They yeah. were pretty cool too. They were uh, nice for the, yeah. 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 So, um, oh. oh, but then, so the, I guess the, <laughs> one of the big issues there was we were going to run dual 10 horsepower motors. Right. Right. And those right. Were I was just getting to this. Well, like, how can we forget about motor thinking? <laughs> <laughs> right so and so there was this quandary like i mean it feels like the whole thing took a year right like there was so much energy packed into that time it felt like a much longer time but this was like like in the matter of a few weeks we were like we're gonna have to de- come up with how we are handling these dual motors because normally when we do dual motors or triple motors or something we just plug them into a large vfd but it didn't uh, you know, and in the heat of the moment, we're like, yeah, yeah, we're just going to, you know, get a 20 horsepower drive and jack them in there, you know. And then at, as I do during these sorts of times, I'd wake up <laughs> at odd hours of the night. And I'm like, you know, that's a terrible idea. We can't do that. Like that's that only works, you know, if we're if these things are like mechanically rigidly fastened to each other. But we've got these on opposite sides of the elevator each with their independent chains. There's no rigid drive shaft between these things. Like they're not going to run at the same speed. Um, and a little bit of variance is going to be a big problem. And there's no way to really correct it. And then furthermore, you're like, and how do we, you know, if we run the risk of overloading a single motor, which, you know, like in a lateral application, you know, you can just put like a, you know, put some, motor protection on each motor and if one of them fails you you know that one will pop and then the other one will Mm -hmm. overload and pop uh but in a vertical application like we might go Mm -hmm. really out of level on this lift platform by the time everything stops by the time everything overloads and pops Um, and that has a whole bunch of to it um and so (laughs) as the stomach acid level kept rising and rising like that's not gonna this is terrible so um so i was like well we have tried in the past uh to have mitsubishi give us some help uh with this because they have features in their a800 series drives that are supposed to um accommodate you know multi-drive synchronization 
And, um, but we've also been talking for quite some time about like how we're going to handle multiple motor grouping, um, in our system. And, you know, we have like radical big plans or radical big ideas, I should say plans is putting airs on, um, but radical big ideas of how to handle that at some point in the future. But that's not like a three week solution. Uh, so we've also been toying with had been toying with for months and months like how we might accomplish um just a basically a fault grouping um on multiple motors so that you could assign you know put all the motors in a group and then verify that either all motors are working or all motors stop when any number of motors in the group stop um and uh and we're so and i was like well i I was really trepidatious about committing to one of these solutions. Cause I'm like, if, if we commit to one and find out in another week that that's a bad idea, we have no more time left to do the other solution. Um, but then I, in a moment of clarity, I thought, well, we don't have to commit. Like we just, just do both. We have enough people luckily on that side of the shop to have like somebody do it, working on one solution another somebody working on another the other solution and just see which one wins like who does the best who comes up with the best end result (laughs) (laughs) it'll be like a cage match and (laughs) so we called mitsubishi and explained what we were trying to do and they came um they sent uh one of their application engineers down and he worked in the shop for a couple of days and at the same time Christian in our shop um, started working on uh, a, a software solution, um, software slash firmware solution. Uh, and after a couple of days, it was really clear that Christian was going to win out. Christian totally won that cage match, like slammed a chair over somebody's back. He was like, I'm done. Get out of here with your hardware. Yeah. The, by the end of two days, Mitsubishi could make it so that the uh so the drives did somewhat synchronize between each other but only in one direction <laughs> and without any sort of indication from the like it was a master slave setup so you could have you know a, a driver and a follower so that the driver would run you would command the driver to run and then the follower would follow along but if the the follower would stop if the if the driver stopped, but just, if the follower stopped, the driver had no idea that the follower stopped and just kept going. And it only worked in one direction uh, for reasons completely yeah. ridiculous. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and oddly, like this is a, a feature promoted in their literature that they can do this. And I'm, I guess I think they maybe do it somewhere, but this is the second time we've been around this, uh, circuit with them and I'm like I don't see how you guys can claim that this is possible and not have a like yeah. working solution like ignore how we use the drives like don't even factor that in just show me how it would work for you like best case scenario like set it up <laughs> to make it work and then we'll figure out how we integrate that into the into our stagehand control and yeah they couldn't do it um, but the this, the the concept behind what we ended up doing was that we uh, you know basically we open up a second socket on the 
on the stagehand control card with a UDP channel. Um, and when it's part of it, so we added some opcodes to the stagehand control set. And when the stagehand will know that it's part of a group, it gets a special opcode when it's going to run a grouped move. And if it sees that it's part of a group, then it has to start um, sending out over the UDP channel. And we use UDP because it's very fast. Um, it starts sending out a um, an I'm okay message as as long as it's okay, as long as it hasn't had any fault. And then if it does have a fault, it sends out an I'm not okay message. On the it also is listening on a UDP channel to hear back from Spike Mark that everybody is okay, that the group is okay. So if it doesn't find out within a short time span that the group is okay, it sh throws it shuts itself off and then switches to an I've stopped message on its output side and so everybody in the group basically follows that same idea and then so if anyone doesn't yeah. hear a group it's is okay cool. message they all just do, 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 stop um and and if ever you know as long as everything's working then it works um but if anyone falls off or if spike mark falls off the network or anything like that then it then it all slams off yeah. it, it's cool and so then and this is in spike mark 4.0.1 which is um not currently available for public release because we've got it out to a few select customers that are are um still running it uh uh on shows that require grouped motion like this um but it's yeah. pretty nifty because then if you know if you have and we've seen it happen already you know uh, i mean we obviously did a lot of testing with simulating faults and Produce, you know, forcing faults on single motors to prove that the groups would stop. Uh, but the, uh, but the, <clears throat> uh, in in show we've had uh, faults occur on single motors, and the and that has stopped the groups. And so it's it's pretty sweet. And what's great, one of the great things about it is that it's you know, it's retroactive. Like any any stagehand out there can. Uh, once this goes public, we'll be able to be partake in grouped motion. Um, and it's it's all easy. <laughs> like it's there's no like mucking around with custom wiring. There's no uh, fancy setup. It's like you you know right click at a group yeah. and dump motors into that group, and then now they're part of the group. And you still write individual motions for each thing for each axis in the group um, because you might not necessarily want them all to go to the same spot right if you're doing some sort of grouped motion where you want actually motors to go yeah 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 like if you wanted to pitch something at an angle or whatever um, you can run but there are shortcuts in there so that you can write uh, if you are all, if everybody in the group is going to the same position, you can write one and then hit a button, and it just copies those parameters over to everyone else. Because um, ultimately, you know, that's what they were they were doing in the inside of the Mitsubishi um, drive anyway. Is that they were they have a little PID loop that's just trying to eliminate position error, and so one thing is watching another thing and trying to catch up all the time, but it's just running a little PID loop to do that. Well, we already have a PID loop inside every stagehand, so use that and uh let them you know if they all have this the their parameters and they're all executing then everything's fine and if they're not all executing then everything's not okay and we got to stop but then retargeting yeah. if you one of the questions is like <laughs> what if happens when you do if you fault how do you recover 
Uh, and that was something we hadn't even gotten to there with the <laughs> the Mitsubishi hardware solution. <laughs> it's like, we've stopped it all. Great. Yeah. We're going to want to be able to turn it on again at some point, though. Like, oh, yeah, that is. Uh, oh, that's going to be tricky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's like it's not like a it's not a disposable lift. It's not like use it till it Yeah. Oh, one. They were like, Oh my goodness, that's uh yeah, I don't know. Uh is <laughs> <laughs> your does your factory can your factory conveyor belt? So, like what happened when that stops? So, like, well uh, well fellas, just move over really, to line really, B. You know, know it, like. it, it was a pressure cooker situation <laughs> to get it done. Uh but really great to you know these were ideas that have been rattling around as as you know theoretical solutions to the problems for probably far too long um but this was something that exposed it as like nah this is this is our best way forward yeah and i think it's really great that there you know that i think there's still room (laughs) for a more sophisticated solution as well um but this gets in terms of like an 80 20 rule this gets an awful lot done for most people um, that want to do something with multiple lines on, yeah. uh, on the control. So, yeah. Well, and then you know, and then the fun the fun didn't end <laughs> with solving the group motion either. No. You know, we, <laughs> we like. I think I was. I just looked back at the calendar as we were as my calendar as we were looking here, and I think I was actually at the shop or on site more than I was home between December 15th and like January 30th. Oh, I believe it. Yeah. Um, but some of that, so like I went back up to the shop, I was up the shop a whole bunch for the, for the fit out of the, of the lift and the sunroof. And I left for like 24 hours mm-hmm. uh, and I came back and we're like, okay, great. We're packing up. Everything's good. We're going to, we're going to pack it up. It's going to be excellent. We get everything packed up. We're ready. The truck shows up. And it's a fucking reefer truck. <laughs> oh my god, I totally forgot that. Oh my god, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'm just gonna like gloss over all of the updates, oh, you know, right. like loading and the packing, so, and we're like, we're like, okay, great, the truck's pulling up. Hey, that kind of looks like a. Oh, that's a fucking reefer truck. <clears throat> and um, you know, corrugated floor, no bars. Yeah. <laughs> right. Refrigerated, refrigerated truck. It's just, you know, it's not meant for, it's meant for food. It's not meant to strap equipment into. And, you know, and like the crazy part is like these guys, the folks that we use or the folks that got us that truck, you know, this isn't the first time that they have, that they have gotten a truck for us, a trailer to ship stuff across the country. And, you know, we decided it would be better for us not to go with an LTL company, but to a straight truck, a straight trailer from point to point. And, um, and, you know, I mean, I think I was in the shop when, when I, Brian was talking to the, talking to the logistics guys and he was like, yeah, yeah, we need some straps and some bars, you know, like throw the stuff in the truck and, you know, and, and we'll use it. And, uh, and then they show up. <laughs> I think the guy had like a box of straps in the back of the truck, but no, no load rail. <laughs> like, right. Where are we going to put, I don't even want to know the answer. Like just, uh, <clears throat> why don't you just get out of my loading dock? <clears throat> um, right. And so, we couldn't wait another day. And this was like, I think this was a Friday. Like It was like Friday at lunchtime when this truck showed up. And we we're like, I, are you fucking kidding me? Like, Jesus Christ. Brian <laughs> got on the phone and started yelling at people. <clears throat> and then found somebody, somebody else. Some, I, I don't even know who the carrier was. 
managed to pull a 53-foot trailer and get it to us like three hours later. And we packed the truck up and everything was good. And the left. And then <laughs> like the day before I was right. getting on the plane to go out there, I was like, hey, I wonder where the truck is. The truck was stuck in like Iowa, in this, like in <laughs> iced over highways. And so the truck was late a day oh, it was really terrible um it was not awesome to get there and then, so then we lost we lost a day on our load-in already and you know the original intention was was we had one day. Uh, well the original intention was that we had two days but um <laughs> with the truck being delayed we had to get the lift and the sunroof in in one day because they had to build the show deck around it which you know so all keyed off of the sunroof and um and those we we ran into some challenges to get that done and missed that mark a little bit. Um, I guess we ended up getting we ended up getting everything in place, but then ended up having to crawl under the show deck afterwards to you know like make adjustments yeah. to limits. We you know we learned we learned uh, that we had some <laughs> we had some 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 issues with time and space and limit switches and the lift. <clears throat> um, <laughs> uh, and um, and then. And so, you know, so we busted through all that and I had, uh, I know the, had Brian, uh, Brian from the shop out, he and I were out there and, um, and we really, we busted ass. We, uh, he busted ass for sure. We got everything installed, everything put in with the whole crew. It was, uh, there were, a bunch, you know, a good group of guys out there. And I mean, like we unloaded a 53 foot trailer in an alley on a, on a, on a incline, <laughs> Like, you know, into a, into the theater. It was like, none of this stuff is particularly small or light. So, <laughs> you know, I'm like, guys hop in the truck and they get it into the alleyway and they just start like popping, popping, uh, straps off of things. And I was like, well, why don't, um, why don't you guys not do that? So we got some hands on that, like 1800 piece of scenery, <laughs> piece of machinery right there. I mean, or, you know, do it your way, whatever you want. <clears throat> it's cool. Um, but yeah, so we got it in and then, um, and then we, we ended up running into a couple, a couple other challenges on the inn as well. Like, um, uh, we are, our uh, our halo bumper switches <laughs> in the, in the, if we take our step back to the spec purse design, then build phase, we, we, we spec and purchased, uh, before we actually had designed. And so none of our bumper switches on the, on a halo or three of the four on the halo didn't fit. Uh, they were too long. They just wouldn't. They just wouldn't go. So, uh, so I had a little bit of. Uh, I had to you know, bust out a, <clears throat> bust out the soldering iron. <laughs> I was. I've been looking for a reason to get out my soldering skill again. Um, and uh, and so you know, field modifying bumper switches and uh, changing my flight because you know I just didn't. We didn't get to the place where we could actually get the lift running. I spent some time. You know, spent some time with the operator to you know, to go through everything. Uh, so I ended up bumping my flight another day in order to stick around in there. But, right. but when we walked away, uh, everything was functioning. They ran into a couple challenges, they had a couple faults and a couple, a couple faults over the course of the run, but most of it was, um, I don't think anything was actually, is actually unknown as to what happened. You know, we ran into like that elusive sitting on a limit switch and then the thing wouldn't run. Right. Whereas like, the lift won't come up. It's like because of the, you know, finally it was exposed. That the, well, <laughs> the sunroof was closed. Yes, that is. Yeah, we had. That is. Yeah, yeah there was a night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, 
but but you know i mean outside of all you know out of like taking you know just even a couple steps away from the whole project like out of all of it that wasn't that wasn't the worst thing that we could have uh that we could have encountered and um so so it's pretty awesome yeah. and you know group yeah, yeah. motion is working which um, is great is, yeah it'll, it's exciting because i mean awesome. it, it'll probably be a a few more <laughs> weeks yet before that that hits like public public release because we've got mm-hmm. we've got some uh bug squashing that's been done since then and it's actually now as is so often the case um stymied on my backlog because i gotta get to doing the code review for it um but the uh but once that's done, it'll go out into the world, and that's that. Yeah. Spike Mark Four is going to be a big release because it's got grouped motion. This will have the uh, the first time that the rest of the world is seeing like all of the drive communication stuff. Um, yeah, all which of is that. super. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> all that uh, motion analysis and all that other good. I mean, it's really <laughs> it's it's a big software release, so it'll be exciting exactly. to see that go out into the world. Yeah. <laughs> so we told you, we told you to settle so, in. Then <laughs> settle in. Get a drink. Um, the, the last? Uh, no, not the last. I want to say the last. So another big chunk. Um, we got a job back in the fall uh, for ESPN doing. Um, they got a new TV studio in New York, and we're um, doing some automation for it. Um, the the crux of it is that they have a large window uh, that has a beautiful view, um, but sometimes they don't want that beautiful view. So they would like to be able to move some, have an LED wall um, there, um, super fine pitch yeah, LED like wall. Five can, mil they, pitch or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really fine pitch LEDs, uh, so they can have various images obviously thrown up on that wall. But then they then at other times they do want the the window available, so um, they want to be able to look out of the window. So the kicker is that like the roughly they have um, <clears throat> six foot wide LED panels, um, and they have somewhere in the order of like eight feet of storage space there are four LED panels. So you can't just track the LED wall off because it's um, it's 24 feet uh, <laughs> wide and you only have eight feet that. of storage space. <laughs> yeah, let me do a math check. No, the numbers don't work. So we have about 22 inches of depth in that area. <laughs> so like kind of upstage to downstage and we have eight feet offstage, if you will, to use theater terms instead of camera terms, um, to store everything. Uh, so as the panels track offstage, uh, they also have to translate either, you know, up, well, basically they have to translate downstage towards the camera um, in increments so they can stack up offstage. So they can stack kind of front to back um, yeah. in, a, in a pack offstage. Yeah. And then when they come yeah. out, they have to um, translate and all go back into a flush alignment and to make a seamless led wall which is like not nothing right like <laughs> there's there are a few challenges in in that i was looking actually mike through my sketchbook that we had uh we had looked at back in september <laughs> like when we were sketching out ideas of like all the different ways that we could accomplish this like the major mechanical ideas um and what we settled on was doing 
looks like almost like a railroad switchyard, although they're not actually switching tracks, but they, the, the tracks come out and they curve um, and pop into alignment. So, um, so each, as you go across stage, like the panels, <laughs> yeah. their track stops and another one yeah. curves in front of it and then stops. And then the next one curves in front of that one and stops. And the next one curves in front of that one and stops. So you have to take them out in a certain order or else the panels will collide. Um, but that's okay for the demands of the space. Like they, that, you know, they're not looking for, uh, there were a couple of design concessions early on. The first was that it's not going to ever happen on camera. So <laughs> noise isn't a concern that'll come up later. I don't know. What um, and, uh, and they can go and <laughs> they can always travel in a specified sequence. Um, and so they don't need to have random access to the panels. Um, so with those, those things in mind uh we designed this curving track system and then the tracks are the panels are basically hung on carriers <laughs> that can swivel around on the tracks and then we have like a little locomotive built into each one um a little pusher that's a servo motor on the track uh and the tracks uh if you could imagine like we what we wanted to do is basically have roller chain like affixed to the track was the idea so we could have a sprocket on the motor to drive around that and there's you know you can buy a roller chain with little like um, tabs on it and stuff um, to affix it to a flat plate but we weren't enamored with those solutions just because they don't the precision isn't awesome typically on getting those to uh, you know precisely follow the, this curve um, so what we did instead is we along those curved tracks um, drilled holes all at the same pitch <laughs> as roller chain uh, and then sunk shoulder bolts into those holes. So we have basically a bunch of, like a bed of nails uh, <laughs> is what it looks like, stretching along the uh, curved track. And so that creates like a fixed roller chain pitch that the motor uh, can pull itself along. And then everything's on swivel. So there's like a, a, a swivelly rod end connection between the locomotive uh, up to the scenery carriage so it pushes it or pulls it back and forth but each one hits the curve at a different time and it looks really cool when it <laughs> when it's working to see all these little swivelly bits chasing yeah. around the curve it looks awesome it's just you know have your earplugs <laughs> yeah you got a bunch of steel pins and a uh, <laughs> <laughs> and a metal sprocket uh, whacking it off the steel pin to push this thing along. Um, and it's... all of this, all this is installed in what, like half inch or five eighths inch aluminum plate, right? So, like, you know, we got the top plate that is the mother plate, and then like the, the tracks are all rippled into that plate. Yeah. We're down in like a T shape. So, there's nothing quite about this entire system. No, it's all metal, right? It, yeah, absolutely. So, it's a, like you said, it's a half inch top plate, and then we kind of make a uh, T-bar that bolts onto that top plate out of aluminum half by three-ish bar and then half by three-ish flanges um, that bolt onto those. So, yeah, everything just resonates through it. Um, 
in one of the <laughs> in one of the production meetings, the one of the like directors asked, like, "How loud are the motors going to be?" And I only half jokingly said, "Oh, don't worry about it. You won't be able to hear the motors out of <laughs> over all the ruckus." Like the sitting in that meeting, and you were like, "Those words sound like a out of your mouth." Closer. And it was like, I think about a third of the room was was like slack jawed, stunned that you were that those words came out of your mouth, and then. Another third of the room was like, oh, well, I mean, no. And then the final third of the room was like, holy shit, that guy just said that. <laughs> it's good to set expectations appropriately. Because it's like, you guys said it never had to move mm-hmm. on camera. And they're like, no, 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 that's right. That's right. I'm like, yeah, so it. It will never move on camera. It is going to be so freaking loud when this thing rolls. But mm-hmm. it, yeah, and we also have it's also steel wheels on the aluminum track. Like it is, it's loud. It sounds like a cross between a subway train and a roller coaster. Like it's yeah, you're not going to hide that this is <laughs> happening um, unless you move super slowly. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, even then, probably not really. You're still going to get some clicky, 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 clicky. <laughs> So, um, but it, yeah. you know, but it does the trick. I mean, the, the thing when they came to us was like, we don't, you know, we've heard from other vendors that this is impossible yeah. to do, but we really want it to, to work this way. Um, and, you know, like, I don't, you know, honestly don't, don't imagine that any of the other vendors were <laughs> thought it was actually impossible, but just thought it was too much of a pain to bother with, you know? Um, so, but we you know that for, <laughs> that's not us. We're like, sure, absolutely. We'll take that yeah. challenge. Um, so, so this was the job. So originally, this job was supposed to be a kind of fast track. Like it was going to install before <laughs> Thanksgiving, but then it turned out that like this, the building wasn't actually ready. So it got delayed and then kind of backburnered and then mothballed because by. By Thanksgiving, if you've heard, listened to the earlier parts of this podcast, you realize like we were slammed, and so like we we now have three um, like shops in our little complex uh, where where our company is located. Um, so we have it's like this old mill building, and then there's like new uh, I don't know what you'd call them, but they're like you know like new warehouse spaces, <laughs> yeah, yeah um, as well. So we have. Like one of the new warehouse spaces, we've got a big chunk of the main mill building, and then another small <laughs> annex um, on the on the mill building uh, as well. Uh, and so the the new warehouse space that we have, we had set up ESPN's track in there, uh, and then we'd rented a bunch of trusses and stuff to like be able to hang it uh, in there. And at the time, Belfer and I were talking about, uh, you know should we buy it? Should we rent it? And I'm like, well, it's not going to be up that long. You know, this whole thing's got to ship by, you know, before Thanksgiving, we should just rent it. <laughs> Here we are like month four. And it's like, yeah, probably should have just bought that trust. Um, but, but, um, but we, we ended up taking it down and pushing it to the back of that warehouse yep. so that we could set up the fifth Ave elevator instead. <laughs> And then after Fifth Ave was gone, we busted it back out. How did out, this go? And we're like, okay, so what were we doing yeah. on this project again? <laughs> like, yeah. how did this go? You know, we got a drawing. Like, we know it's mostly mostly here. Um, but uh, yeah, so the I don't know. There was a couple, so anyway, so that was the the the, the rough picture of it. Um, kind of some of the cool things about it. We did the 200 watt servos in there. So we've been doing more 
servo stuff, the 200 watt servo is similar to the ones we use inside the uh, Spotline Practical, um, and quite a bit smaller than the the big ass 7.5 kilo or 5 kilowatt, not 7.5, the 5 kilowatt yeah. servos that we'd done uh, earlier this year. But ballsy little things like they, yeah. they do a nice job driving the thing. But there's some other so, <laughs> there's some other concerns in there. Like we got to get right. the cables out, right? right? So like, so we have the cables not only for the servo, right? That's pretty easy. They're actually small, pretty well bind. Um, yeah. But then you know, we you may have heard that we are hanging LED panels underneath this thing. So as you can imagine, they need electricity, and they need data. <laughs> And we kind of thought at the beginning, foolishly, we're like, yeah, okay. So <laughs> right. like, you know, it's a couple of cables for them, like, you know, some power and a couple of pieces of data. <laughs> and I think in like early December, we were on the some right. phone call or email right. and they were like, yeah, so uh, we need, uh, we need 220 for each column in the, in each panel. And that, so there's three of those. And then we need two pieces right. of cat five for each column. And we're like, Oh yeah, so it's gonna be like two twelve three cores yeah. and then six yeah. cat fives. I'm like, oh, yeah, so that's kind of a pile of cable. Yeah, so let's, we got to try. Let's uh, how about how about we do it with less than that? <laughs> like, how can we do it with less than that? Because I'm just gonna say these words. We need to do it with less than that. <laughs> like, like they like, is there a world where do we actually need six pieces of cat five? And then after some discussion with the with the video guys we we actually figured out that the power draw the original the original idea was really it's the worst case scenario and the like total number of panels it could be in one column and in this particular case they only needed one uh they only needed one power feed per panel for per tracking panel as opposed to what the original was and then yeah and then we managed to we managed to talk them down to four pieces of cat five <laughs> they really needed three it turns out one for each column and then they want to have a spare which makes yeah and so yeah. like their original idea was that they just had yeah. uh, one for each column and then a spare for each column so they could patch it out if they've lost the cable as opposed to having to do other things which i understand i can get behind the concept but like <laughs> yeah there's no room and that and, and and so there's 22 inches to pack the four four panels in when they're off stage and these panels are ridiculously fragile right so we can't have the cables like in the festoon brushing past a panel right yeah like yeah. the face of them <laughs> just like you know it'll be like like cheese grater of leds <laughs> off the face. just completely destroy them um, little tiny pixels lying on the ground, um, <laughs> along with my shattered dreams, <laughs> my tears, all in a big puddle. And and so we were messing around with the cable festoon for quite a while, and <laughs> yeah. we we thought we had it, and then we didn't. <laughs> and then we didn't. And then we thought we had it again, uh, and then we didn't. And and then we were pretty sure we we're like, yeah, this is good. We're we're on the right track. We got it. We put it together. And we sure as shit did not actually have that together. Um, but one of the good things that came out of it is uh, Stephen uh, Ferrier, who's who's now our <clears throat> our head lead electrics fabricator in the shop. He came up with a really great idea on the um, on the festival to basically put in like a, a piece of fiberglass channel, um, so we arms as opposed to just freewheeling the cable through. Because uh, one of the things we we're running into originally, and you know this. 
many ways why we think this might have been. But you know, one of the challenges we were running into was that we were packing all the cable up off stage and it was just like spaghettiing out. You know, it was like spreading out right. left and right or upstage, downstage, not just not folding up nice and neatly like all the pretty festoon cable picture show. Um which was, you know, coming back to haunt us because it was everything was gonna get stuck and we we're like catching bolts and we we're doing all these things. And so Steven came up with some pretty solid idea and him and Steve together kind of worked out a pathway to to make a prototype of this of this, you know, arm festoon. Yeah. Yeah. Area. It's nice. Um, and after a little bit of work, we got it, uh, you know, we got like a, a little bit more work on the idea. We got it there. It seemed to be in a, in a really good place. <laughs> we were on site, you know, like, I don't know, two days ago, three days ago. It feels like weeks ago at this point. Um, and we're like, wow, we didn't, we didn't quite have this one, did we? <laughs> 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 it was close. It was just like that last yeah. mile, and yeah, yeah. Oh, man. this mile was the longest. <laughs> it was, but now it works nice. It works. It works great. We, uh, yeah, we got we you know, with the with the fixed arm with the solid arms holding the holding the cable in there, and a little bit, a little bit of time doing dressing and goofing around. We we got it to actually we got it to work really nice. Um, and so that's cool. Yeah. Um, and. Uh, and, oh, oh yeah, and uh, and we need to have an engineering stamp on all this. That's cool, right? At the client review, like two weeks before we were supposed to ship, so we've been working on this project for months, and uh, you know it's all lateral moves, right? Um, and so typically we don't bother getting anything stamped uh, if, unless it's hoisting, um, and. Uh, <laughs> So the project manager was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, you, you guys, you guys are doing all stamp drawings for this." I was like, "No, no, no, that wasn't, that was never mentioned." He's like, "Oh yeah, yeah, it'll all have to be engineered." <laughs> like, okay, well, uh, great. Um, yeah, we should get on that. Well, uh, yeah. And so we we sent the package over to McLaren. We're like, "So here's all this thing. Here's the, you know, here's the job, etc." kind of need to fast track this because you know um and then extra yeah. points and if I we have that. to change absolutely <laughs> nothing because it's already built like it's it is done so <laughs> like it's it's actually going to anodizing right now so let's uh let's make sure that this all passes i mean we had done a, luckily you know we run a lot of internal calculations on it and then we had done a, a pretty substantial load test on it because our our biggest concern was just that it Although the it, the panels are honestly fairly light, but they, um, you know, relatively speaking, but they, you know, at points you could, um, they you could run it in a situation where you had all of the panels hanging in between supports, um, so that they, you know, it's it's hanging on the mother plate, which is suspended by some unistrike going up to an I beam in the ceiling, um, and you know you could land, uh, you could stop all of the panels and have a concentrated load right there. <laughs> um, so we had done, you know, we had it's <laughs> for, for a big trust rental package that we've been <laughs> we practically adopted at this point. Um, we had also rented a bunch of counterweight arbors and a bunch of counterweight, and we had uh, done uh, load tests on the plate to uh, measure deflection. And we were in the the um, tenths, of, I mean, tens of thousands of an inch right yeah. worth of deflection at that point. So it was really minimal deflection. Um, 
uh, so we we felt all pretty good about it, but we still had it's still kind of a shock at the last, you know, like an oh by the way, like oh that's the sort of thing that typically we'd love to talk about up front because like that changes our process quite a bit. We have to, you know, uh, we love working with McLaren engineering yeah. in New York, but it's like we we do like to get them engaged <laughs> as early as possible if they're going to be involved in oh, the no. project. <laughs> And I imagine they prefer that too. So they're not just like, wait, what? What do we have to do? Like, yeah. <laughs> we have to run all these calculations and hopefully find something that has to be changed. Oh, God. Yeah. We, that may not be possible. But so, <laughs> like, you know, that's the thing with, you know, actually the first thing we encountered on the, on the load in as, as we're like, we're starting to unload parts. We got the truck. The truck was delayed. It was, it was again, maybe this is me here. I didn't really put that. Together there, but um, but our truck, you know, is a different trucking company. Um, but they came <laughs> and picked it up the day before they were supposed to be at the site, you know, like 8 30 in the morning. I got a phone call from the truck driver at like 9 30, 9 15. Ah, I'm stuck in the tunnel, <laughs> like, uh, motherfuckers. And um, and and so then, like, like an hour and a half there, I was like, man, there's no chance that this right. dude is still stuck in tunnel. Like, there's what is going on? <laughs> Finally, reached out to him. So this poor guy, like, got stuck in, you know, like, whatever traffic shenanigans happened. He then also got pulled over by the by the police as he was leaving the tunnel, I guess, uh, in in Manhattan. And then they wanted to, like, you know, check his travel log and his papers and the truck and all this stuff. And so this guy got put through the ringer by the cops for, like, another 90 minutes. So we got our truck. We got it unloaded just in time for lunch. To then come back from lunch and be like, huh, uh, we're totally missing the first piece of Unistrut that we need to put this thing up. <laughs> it's the place we're starting. Like, where are we starting from? <laughs> well, oh. <laughs> it was, uh, it was, yeah, like, yeah. literally, the, yeah. yeah, step one is not a proud moment, right? When you're like, man, really? And, like, that was not the only thing we missed on that pack for you either. Like, yeah. it's like the nuts and bolts in the end like the rush that we were under to get it done like i mean that's not no excuse but it it the the mayhem that was in the shop at that moment that we were packing up that job was was nutty and what we (laughs) just become the bee in my bonnet is that you know we we've gotten a certain volume of work and a certain volume of these project-based work as opposed to just product-based work um that you know we've never never had dedicated a dedicated project manager on staff because it's like ah you know it's just little bits here and there that we can you know between the you me Brian Steve like we can kind of pick up the pick up the slack and uh, empirical data suggests that's not really true like we these projects are there's enough of them now if you're still listening and they're of sufficient size and there's so much other work going on that actually we need a project manager so um anyone listening who's interested if you're still listening if you made it this far you're already practically part of the company we are looking for um a project slash production manager so this wouldn't be just project based but you'd also be involved in managing the production of the uh of our stock products of like helping to run the schedule um and control the workflow through the shop um but it actually you know it's a it's a really important position and it'd be uh, it'd be a great position for the right person um 
and you'd get to work on a lot of cool stuff. If, if any of this sounds enticing to you and you don't just want to run away screaming, uh, yeah, definitely reach out. And because we're, we are actively seeking um, somebody to fill that role. There's not so many projects at the moment that we're really looking for more than one person and it'd still be split between kind of project-based and production-based uh, management. But, uh, but yeah, but we are looking. So, yeah. FYI. <laughs> important. Important note. Yeah. <laughs> so, it'd be a quarterly podcast, but it's going to be like, we should just stretch the next one to three full hours, and then we could just do, we could get all done in one shot. <laughs> <laughs> and then you've got a note yeah. in here on the list of uh, who can forget Disney. Yeah. I wish I could. Uh, I was trying. Uh, in, also, in the midst of all of this chaos that has already happened. In the last like six or eight weeks, we got uh, we got a a call or an email from uh, from the fine folks at Disney, and they they purchased <laughs> they purchased a machine that we built a couple of years ago for a touring company <clears throat> uh, for Beauty and the Beast, the levitation device for the Beast in the transformation. Yes. And um and uh and you know what there's whatever is you know whatever happened apparently and you know a couple months ago and. And then through some through some miscommunication on probably probably more than one party's <laughs> one party's um, plate, uh, we finally got around to they finally got around to being like, hey, we need to uh, you know we need to get somebody to look at this thing, and uh, you guys built it, it's got your name on it, and we're like, oh, this is terrible. Okay, <clears throat> um, yeah, I mean. Where where did you get that? that tour was <laughs> How did you get yeah. this number? What back alley did you and, uh, this and thing? so yeah. and so the whole the whole trick with this with the device is that it's uh it's this big long arm and it's a lifting arm and then it picks up the, picks up the beast the actor and spins them around so it flips them from standing up vertical to laying down horizontal, travels up and down, spins them around, turns them upside down, and then they are standing back up after they have transformed. Um, and, um, and it's all, it's based on a PLC and a little touchscreen and, you know, it's not, not spike mark control. So there's really just, we're running everything off proc sensors and limit switches. And this was, a this was a, I mean, we, we made this from, yeah. uh, from an, another machine. We based the idea off another machine and this was what, I don't know, four years ago or something. <clears throat> um, there was a scene shop building the scenery to take this to, bring beauty and beast on tour in like china um and asia i think it's not even on tour i think it's just going i think it's sitting down and oh is that really oh is that yeah yeah look at yeah. that i didn't it's even like know one that. of those theaters yeah um yep so we, so we were running through they wanted us to come out so i came i went up to the shop because it was outside of outside of new york and i went and i went to go look at this and like got everything to work and it was like everything runs and then we put a person on it let's try to make it run and it didn't go. It didn't. It didn't twist them from standing to uh, laying down. Yeah, which is like, I swear to God, this thing was on tour yeah. for years. Yeah. And so I was like, well, well, shit. And then it kind of, you know, we were kind of looking at the parts and what be going on. And it was like, well, I think that you know, it seems like the actuator is the thing that's causing the problems at the moment, without getting too like deep into the into the machine. So we got a new linear actuator somebody else from the shop to go back out there because I, I couldn't make it back out there in the time frame. Um, all of this had come around. Also, we were like, how about we just send the machine to us, like to us, to our shop, and we'll, you know, 
we can work on it. We have all the people, all our tools, all the things. Uh, and they just, you know, it didn't, it, it wasn't, wasn't in the cards, wasn't in the cards to make happen. And so we sent, uh, so Ed went back for a day with the new linear actuator and I get this text message from him at like at lunchtime. Hey, so it's not the linear actuator. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> like, uh, like me, Ned. And so we went back through all these yeah, things. A mystery. And yeah, like, what, what basically, could it be? then yeah. we sent we sent Breezy back out there to try and go replace another part. And he and and that was yeah, that that didn't work either. Um, <laughs> and so we got to the end. It was like, all right, now look, like we've sent three people out there, <laughs> and and this is dead like it's like it's not working it's not doing the things we've got to do so we gotta get it we gotta get it back to us like we are done we've spent enough time traveling to another shop without our tools without our without our staff to spend some quality time with it we yeah. finally got it together and it got shipped to us um because the, the right. whole machine and control the whole business had been built into a piece of scenery <laughs> like Maybe we should make it so that you could take it out. Like, ah, well, I mean, it's all part of it now. I was like, well, when we have to get <laughs> yeah. this thing back to us, it's going to have to come out. Um, and, uh, and so we got the unit back, and, um, and we were spending, we, we were digging through and, like, making sure we didn't have an electrical problem or there wasn't some other, you know, crazy thing happening with the, with the mechanics. And we came to find out, in the end, is that there's a harness that the actor sits in, and the harness has apparently multiple mounting points we had not seen this because we hadn't investigated and the back was covered with padding right um as we were trying to figure out like there seems to be some geometry problem going on basically like right we don't have enough leverage on we couldn't the yeah actor. <clears throat> still couldn't quite figure out like why did it ever work right because and then we got reports also yeah. from the original tour they're like no actually, we had some problems with some of the actors yeah <laughs> some of the actors and we're like hmm wait a minute mm, wait a second <laughs> something is going on yeah. and of course like you know they have it's been not on tour for like two years now or something or a year and so all year, of that yeah. info from from those folks is all lost in the ether of the tour um yeah and um and so so we're taking a look in the shop and we're you know we're like well maybe we can like you know make a new part and we'll do a thing we'll add this on and we'll see if we can get ourselves a little bit better leverage to overcome this you know the initial problem and um and we're <laughs> once again i don't know why all of these projects are with me and breezy but we're looking at the piece and brian's like takes a look at the <laughs> at the back of the <laughs> the back of the harness and like peels away some of the tape and I was like hey you need to move the mounting position <laughs> <laughs> like uh, I mean huh. I, if you want to try that that's <laughs> uh and so what what it looked like had actually happened is that we the the harness itself had multiple multiple mounting heights and Instead, of, and and it looks like it was done so that we could change, you could change the height of the mount of the harness as opposed to moving the proximity sensor to change the height of the arm to its standing position, right? Because this whole thing, like the arm right. comes out of the floor, it goes to the standing position so the, so the actor can get into, can get clipped into the rig, and then it starts its trick, and then it lands the actor back on their feet. And so instead of moving the proximity sensor to change the height of the arm it looks like at some point the 
the harness itself had been drilled out to have multiple mounting heights because once we once we you know once we showed ourselves all the screw holes we noticed that there's sharpie marks on there with different names you know like uh, well well this is like now this is all explaining it much much better and as soon as we dropped the seat <laughs> low as high as we could um and changed the height of the proximity sensor it just right. it spins it moves you moves everybody and spins everybody around so it's working you know as good as it ever did right like it's doing all the things we're like oh my god <laughs> so terrible this is like yeah. how did we not catch that you know like through the whole thing we were so focused on the idea that it couldn't be something that wasn't <laughs> mechanical right like it had to be a mechanical problem and we also did find some i mean like you know for what it's worth in the end it wasn't a waste of time because we did actually find where we found some items that were worn and had to be replaced and like not the actuator um but you know the pivot was a mess <laughs> the pivot right. like there was a bearing mount that was though. you know that had been jammed into yeah. and cut away by the but the, by the, the pivot uh, was, has essentially been phased yeah. out by the by the yeah. uh um the harness for the actor because it was you know tweaked and um uh, like somebody at some point took the shims out it used to keep it square on the thing <laughs> like oh my gosh so many things so many things were wrong um but then yeah. once we got there it was you know having it i mean i think the the, the long and the short of the story <laughs> yeah. from my perspective of it is like we should have we should have been a little bit more proactive to demand the machine get to us to fix it um opposed to trying to trying to do it a different way um, because once we had it in the shop and once we had you know i mean i think we did this all in it was I don't know, it was several of us who were working on it but it was all within one day was, yeah i guess it was like a day and a little bit um in all reality but like but that was it like we were done it was packed back up and ready to go you know it's like <laughs> right yeah needed like a few people beating on it like a couple you know because it was me and breezy and steven and steve was around a little bit and rado came in well he was really our guinea pig more than anything else yeah. but but he was also part of it you know i mean it's like you put some time into it but like i don't i think yeah. the only person who didn't touch anything <laughs> on there was mark right yeah maybe sylvia too <laughs> <laughs> but right. it's like man like but yeah. had we just done that at the beginning we could just had the machine made a whatever yeah. you know figured out what was going on and then called it called it a win but you know it just took a long yeah and it was also was, this thing that we were kind of dealing was, with and in, in the background was definitely it was, not a straight know, one so to many other things in the foreground that were demanding attention like oh, all right yeah i gotta get somebody else down there for a day to look at this thing right, try to do it again and you're like oh my god why would this problem yeah. go away? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, like the moment I called, I called our contact at Disney, I was like, okay, listen, like, I don't have great news. I was like, but right. this is the news I have. We get the piece to us. Yeah. And, you know, and then we were also, they were, they were fighting shipping yeah. and, you know, getting it on a, getting it on a sea container to get it on a boat. I was like, now is the moment. <laughs> now is the moment for this. Happen. <clears throat> so, yeah, it was. Well, who can forget it? Me, I, can't. I would like to. <laughs> who can forget it? Um, and uh, so, I, yeah, that was really the hard for me. I was like, you know, this little project. Um, 
The other thing which we touched on briefly is Bike Mark. We have a, you know, soon to be released yeah. Bike Mark 4.0. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's, I mean, I think we kind of touched um, on that already, the, the, the big things that are in there, right? Like the. I think the thing we didn't touch on is that anybody who has a Stagehand Pro is going to be getting a little a little care package from <laughs> yeah. us from Rhode Island in the next like couple weeks yeah. uh, to make some updates, to make a, to add a couple of resistors to the, to the drive, to the VFD so that we can enable the, the feedback into speaker because we're using modules yes. to communicate. That's right. So they, there's a couple of uh, terminating resistors that we have to add in to the Mitsubishi A800 uh, on the RS45 line. Um, that affects the Stagehand Pro. The on the Apprentice, um, those actually are built into the uh, Stagehand card, but not on the Pro. So there's a little. There's going to be a, everyone's going to get a little care package with some resistors and some very easy to follow uh, directions of how to install the uh, install the resistors and where they go. Um, it's just to, onto some terminal blocks inside the VFD. So it's not not a huge uh, not not terribly complicated to do, but mm -hmm. something that will be frustrating if you don't know that you have to do it. So we're gonna proactively send out everybody these care packages um, and try to time that well with the actual release, so that people have the hardware that they're gonna need before the uh, before the software release. So that as soon as the software drops, you'll be ready to go and not uh, yes. not think, <laughs> well, I <ha> you know, <laughs> the software is available, but I still can't use it. So. Um, which is, uh, it, it's a little unfortunate that we have to do it at all, but um, yeah. we do have a little, we, it's a it's a pretty easy fix and uh, one that will be easily easy to do in the field and uh, and you'll have all the stuff that you need to do it. It's like two 680 ohm resistors that have to be installed on the, on the and that's it. lines. Yeah, it's uh, pretty good. So, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, nailed it at two hours. I think we've, uh, <laughs> I think we nailed it. Yeah. Just, uh, wait for the next double, the double length guy. Yeah. <laughs> but as always, thanks to everyone for listening and thanks for continuing to, to, to stay subscribed even through the long droughts of no podcast. And I'd love to say that we're going to do better, but that, uh, empirical data suggests we, we probably won't. Um, but uh you know stick around you know there'll be another one coming at some point and uh we'll look forward to catching up again <laughs>